Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. If I could provide just one piece of free advice in public advocacy, it's this. Don't openly say you messed up in an on-the-record call with a reporter. You might as well be bleeding in a tank full of piranhas. But the principal officer of Fix the Court, a liberal organization spun out of the Arabella Advisors' dark money empire advancing, quote, transparency changes to the Supreme Court as part of a liberal full-court press, toward, full press towards packing the court with additional left-wing rubber stamp votes, did just that on a call with today's guest, Gabe Kaminsky of the Washington Examiner. Also joining us is my colleague Parker Thayer, who reported on some financial non-transparency at Fix the Court. Uh, welcome to you both. Gabe, uh, before we begin, could you tell us a little bit about your background, how you ended up in journalism? Yeah, thanks for having me, Michael. I, uh, I'm an investigative reporter over at the Washington Examiner. Uh, before this, I uh, for the Examiner, I worked for about six months doing similar kind of investigative work. Um, at the Daily Caller. And before that, I wrote a bit for both the Daily Wire and the Federalist. So keeping everything clean for a family podcast, what happened when you contacted Fix the Court and to discuss their uh, nonprofit tax returns? Yeah, so um, I was alerted to the fact that um, uh, they, they received, Fix the Court received uh, roughly an $111,000 grant from the New Venture Fund uh, in, in 2021. For, for those who don't know, New Venture uh, Fund is the charity, one of the two, one of the, what, three, four now charitable arms? Four of, five. Is there I, any limit? I think there are four charitable arms and one, one lobbying arm right now of the core yeah, Arabella Advisor the, Empire. One of the members. $1.6 billion a year empire. Uh, yeah, that's right. And uh, so, yeah, par and this is something Parker had written a blog post about. Um, so I learned that, uh, you know, New Venture, they took that money from that organization. And that would mean that um, they should have filed a Form 990 in fiscal year 2021. Um, and so I reached out to this group, Fix the Court, uh, which essentially is trying to uh, mandate financial transparency on the Supreme Court level. So they are trying to uh, mandate, uh, you know, Supreme Court justices um, to disclose certain things about their finances. Um, their executive director forwarded me their their tax forms for 2021 uh, and, in fact, 2022, which don't have to be filed yet. Um, uh, and that same individual said that actually he acknowledged that he messed up um, and that he unfortunately did not uh, file his forms correctly. He had filed something called a Form 990N, which is kind of if you uh, you know, $50,000. Yeah. The, the, the 990N or the yeah. e-postcard is for small little charity groups that don't bring in, don't handle that much money and, you know, aren't, yeah, are almost non, not professionalized, you know, a lot of all you know, volunteers and you know, stuff. And, yeah. And, you know, looking at these disclosures, uh, it seems that they messed up a great deal, Gabe. Is that, uh, it looks like it's, they've reported less than $50,000 in income to the IRS as a fiscal transparency watchdog for everybody else, uh, but then decided to uh, underreport that funding because they actually raised $290,000 in their first year um, from a variety of sources. I mean, the Gabe Roth, according to these tax filings that... Gabe, uh, Gabe, Gabe Roth Gabe is the principal officer of Fix the Court. Yeah. Uh, he's 
I mean, according to the, the filings that Gabe Kaminsky, our friend here, found, he's the only known employee of Fix the Court, uh, and his salary was larger than the amount he reported raising to the IRS. Oh, and by the way, Gabe Roth was also the only accountant for the group and signed the tax disclosures himself. So he, he landed himself in a world of trouble, and I don't really think there's any way you can argue that he made him a, you know, that, that he didn't know that his income was larger than $50,000. That's right. Um, yeah. So in terms of uh, the income part of kind of this saga that occurred, yeah, in 2022, Roth pulled in $162,000 from fixed court. <laughs> Their revenue was $195,000 roughly for that year. How do that's I get like, a job like that? Can I, that's a can very, I find uh, a way to get that's, you know, that's not far tech. off, but essentially, you know, so when I had requested Roth's tax forms, I, I subsequently asked for his Schedule B, which Schedule B would include his contributors uh, to those organizations. And he actually sent those over for 2021 and 2022 um, unredacted. Family podcast, gentlemen. Provide that level of this is where things got very interesting in the article. Um, uh, and somewhat colorful. <laughs> yeah, and so ap- a minute after... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, a minute a minute after Mr. Roth um, provided those, he immediately responded uh, with kind of a, a vulgar language and saying that he um, uh, kind of messed up and regrets um, regrets uh, providing that and thinks he might have violated federal violated the law. Now, to my understanding, there's nothing illegal about providing your Schedule B, and he wanted to. Check- there are there are organ, there are organizations. I know ProPublica does this. That you know because they are so transparent, they actually post their unredacted, or at, at least have in the past posted their yeah. unredacted. Yeah, and that's right. Tax, um, tax forms on and their so website. So me and Gabe Roth got on the phone, and we uh, he wanted to chat with me, and he um, essentially I think the best way to really describe this conversation mm-hmm. was he really just um, he just he just kind of went into hysteria, and he he uh, he told me he thinks he's going to get fired. No one's ever going to f- donate to him again. Uh, he, he disclosed that um, essentially he thinks that these forms show that he's been a bad fundraiser. Um, and he just pretty much was using using different language throughout that, that I guess if you read the piece, you'll see was quite colorful. Um, but, uh, so now who are who are yeah. who are some of the fund who are some of the funders that he that he said <laughs> that that his that his 990 yeah, disclosed? So, so the interesting thing about this whole situation is that um, while Mr. Roth took such an issue with disclosing all his donors. Um, all those are public or would be made public. So for 2021, they took money from the New Venture Fund in the William and Flora Houlette Foundation, something related to uh, the co-founder of Houlette Packard. Um, yeah, which the Hewlett Foundation is a notorious funder of, of generic socialist activism for those who might not be familiar with it. Yeah, and so both those grants um, are actually public in tax forms for both New Venture Fund and the other foundation Parker just mentioned. Yeah. Um, in terms of 2022 funders, they took money from the Rockefeller Brothers Fund related to kind of the, uh, the Rockefeller family empire, uh, a group called the... Yeah, the 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 rock the the Rockefeller the, the Rockefeller family and now the Rockefeller Foundations, uh, the the Rockefeller Foundations Rockefeller uh, there's the Rockefeller Foundation Rockefeller Brothers Fund Rockefeller Philanthropy Advisors, uh, Parker I'm sure I'm missing like three or four there are several there are always um, <laughs> you know fun, anyway. fund all sorts of environmentalist stuff all sorts of liberal stuff. Yeah in all sorts of issues. Yeah. yeah. One might say they have a vested interest against the current Supreme court majority. <laughs> yeah. And so 
the the 2022 funders were so one being a group called the Weinberg McCann Foundation. Uh, being my presumption is this is a pretty new group. I wasn't able to really figure out. I was positing it's possible that it's related to the DuckDuckGo um, uh, founder, perhaps, but I, I really couldn't nail that down. There's another group called the Leibowitz Alberly Foundation that provided money. Um, I think similar, the, the common thread with a lot of the funders seem to be groups that have bankrolled pro-abortion uh, slash Planned Parenthood causes. Um, uh, I think that's a common needle. And also there seem to be some overlap with groups, again, like major groups on the left uh, support yeah. a lot of like green energy, renewable energy initiatives. With with what Fix the Court is involved in uh, and, you know, the, some of the friends that they have, and I know they've testified in front of Congress before, um, you know, what do you think that says their funding sources and their, I, I mean, all of these, all, all of their donors would have eventually become public knowledge through the disclosures of the donors eventually. Um, but uh, fix the court's reaction. I, I mean, sheer just, for, just for listeners, the way, the way it works is if I am a nonprofit and I get money from somebody over a certain threshold, I have to report that to the IRS, but I don't have to disclose it publicly. If I make a grant to another nonprofit, I have to disclose that. So if Fix the Court's getting money from the Hewlett Foundation, yeah. Fix the Court didn't have, you know, the, the big foundations sometimes have Hewlett like had, searchable oh. grant databases. I'm pretty sure Hewlett does. Uh, but even if it didn't, it would have to disclose that to the IRS on its tax return. Yeah. So... Yeah. So with, with Fix the Court's reaction to what is eventually going to be public knowledge anyway, uh, with sheer panic at the at the prospect of people knowing who their donors are, what do you think that says about there's a large apparatus groups like Demand Justice, um, you know, Just Majority, uh, Take Back the Court, lots of nonprofit activism targeting the Supreme Court right now, uh, many of them sharing some of the same donors that we now know Fix the Court has. Um, what do you think that says about this nonprofit movement and, and whether they can be taken seriously on, on the Supreme Court transparency that they shriek about mm -hmm. constantly? Yeah, I mean, I can't um, get too much into that because I'm not on the opinion side. But I, what I can, for example, speak mm -hmm. to, Parker, is, for example, in my story on Gabe Roth, we included some of your thoughts, um, which I think resonated with a lot of readers, which was to the effect of how Fix the Court um, you know, seeks to, uh, their main thing touted, uh, you know, object of, or item of interest is transparency, the notion of openness and transparency with regard to finances for federal mm -hmm. judiciary. Um, and at the same time, I, uh, you know, this is, I'm just kind of what you said, I guess, is interesting. The fact that Fix the Court had um, such a strong reaction about releasing information about its own donors. Um, so it's kind mm -hmm. of, uh, you, I guess what you would kind of, uh, described was maybe like a, for me, you know, for thee, but not, not for me, I suppose. Um, but I think it's super interesting in light of, um, you know, there has been kind of a coordinated effort to target a lot of um, uh, the finances of Supreme Court justices. And I think a lot of people are not familiar with a lot of the organizations that are involved in that activity. You mentioned demand justice, fix the court, certainly another player in that. Um, and I know that fix the court was quoted in a bunch of stories recently on Clarence Thomas, including uh, one in, mm -hmm. one major one on ProPublica, they actually obtained security yeah. records uh, that ProPublica cited. Um, so I think yeah. it, uh, well, yeah, it, it, and, and, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. 
no, I, I was going to say fix the court uh, for people who might not know. They were they have been filing FOIA requests and are uh, a major player in these these stories that are not quite organically emerging from uh, the media about how Clarence Thomas has the scandal, rich friends as a rich and powerful lawyer before he became a Supreme Court justice. He has rich friends who are also conservative. The scandal of that is uh, lost on me, but apparently it is one. Um, but Gabe Roth is heavily involved uh, in the FOIA request to to get these stories up, even though Clarence Thomas's uh, you know disclosures related to uh, the the flights and uh, his relationship with Harlan Crow had been known since 2011. Um, but you know this group was largely responsible for filing requests to make sure that these stories were ginned back I will, up out I of will, nowhere. Yeah, and I think one other interesting piece... I, I will note it's interesting that, you know, it's it's I not a big that. deal in 2011. Something happens in between 2011 and now, and all of a sudden a group funded by the Hewlett Foundation, which is big into <laughs> abortion access, is, uh, is going after it. Just pointing that out. I can't... I can't imagine what it could. It, I have a feeling it rhymes with lobs. Like, dog? No, that can't be. It's something, I'm sure. No, I was just going to say, I think one other interesting piece to note, just piggybacking off what Parker was just saying, um, the executive director, Michelle Cooper-Smith, of a Campaign for Accountability is on the board of oh. Fix the Court. Um, campaign for Accountability has been filing uh, certain complaints uh, and issuing demands for investigations. Uh, into mm-hmm. various nonprofit schemes, including recently with regard to uh, a conservative billionaire named Leonard Leo, um, who uh, has funded various groups on the right, um, perhaps even this one, I'm not sure. But um, so I think it's interesting that, uh, you know, the same group is, and its, and its individuals are calling for transparency all while taking issue with disclosing their own transparency. Yeah, um, I actually, I, I do know about that complaint, uh, Campaign for Accountability. Uh, Michelle Cooper-Smith is... Uh, before uh, Gabe obtained the disclosures from Fix the Court, nobody knew who their board members were. They did not really publicly discuss that at all, as far as I'm aware. Um, but one of them is uh, Michelle Coopersmith, who is the executive director of a watchdog organization known as Campaign for Accountability. They're uh, kind of of the left-leaning bent of uh, watchdogs as they go. Um, but Michelle Coopersmith, uh, was uh, th- her organization filed a complaint against uh, people connected to Leonard Leo, nonprofits connected to Leonard Leo, who is a, uh, you know, right of center mega donor. Well, he's he's not um, a let's hold on, hold on, hold on. He's he's not a Leo himself is not a is not so much of a donor as an operative. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's 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 be- I'm, I'm falling for. The yeah, media yeah, he, he's best. He is best known. <laughs> he was the. I don't know what his formal, t- I don't recall what his formal title was, but he was like the guy at the Federalist Society for a while. Uh, Trump gets into office in 2016, yeah. seven, in 2017, and then he becomes the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of the advisors on judicial nominations. And that is why, even yeah. more so than his, yeah. even more so than his role in political fundraising, that is why he has become a, uh, for yeah. lack of a better word, a hate figure of the left. Yeah, exactly. That is, that's exactly what I was about to say. The uh, It seems more out of retribution for having the audacity to support conservative justices for the Supreme Court. Um, Campaign for Accountability has now accused uh, nonprofits tied to Mr. Leo 
of financial self-dealing and overpaying employees. Um, and uh, the person who presumably helped write this complaint, Michelle Coopersmith, is on the board of an organization that just didn't properly file its disclosures for all of 2021, underreporting its income by several hundred thousand dollars. Um, and also and paid then, Gabe Roth. And also <laughs> paid Gabe Roth a absurd salary for being the boss of himself. Right. Yeah, that's the interesting thing that you just said there. So uh, it's my understanding from Felt Fix the Court, and um, I will say before these tax forms, there was a very limited understanding of their operations. But uh, he really seems to be, uh, and maybe I'm wrong here, but I, my understanding is he might be the only really functioning employee running the group. I mean, it's very yeah. small. I th- it doesn't seem like- I think they mentioned money. maybe an intern. It's just him though. Yeah. Uh, the, the group is, and this is something that Arabella- which at, at CRC, we study Arabella a lot. This is something Arabella is an expert in. They can make an organization seem expansive with a large public face. Uh, seems like it has broad grassroots support. And when you dig into it, you scratch the surface. Sometimes they don't even exist on paper and they're just called fiscally sponsored projects. Now, in this case, Fix the Court used to be a fiscally sponsored project. And since they were booted out of New Venture Fund, uh, they continue to remain uh, kind of an Arabella style group where they... Uh, uh, to to all the public they have large media presence uh they're consulted by congressmen and the president Um, arabella didn't in the end it's just one guy arabella didn't invent this this strategy either it's been around uh i know citizen engagement Mm -hmm. lab did the uh back when it was a when Mm -hmm. it was a big thing it created the like these are all our our constituencies and they all have a group that we can then all sign the letter and it looks like all you know, all these groups that are under the umbrella of this one larger organization makes it look like it has a much broader coalition. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so like the the fact the discovering that Fix the Court is essentially a, uh, you know, an, an empty, there's only one guy behind the big green curtain um, Dr. Oz, or the Wizard of Dr. Oz, the Wizard of Oz, <laughs> <laughs> Wizard of Oz situation. Close enough. Uh, <laughs> and uh, finding out that Fix the Court is one big Wizard of Oz scheme was not surprising. What was surprising, though, was seeing the amount that uh, the executive director was raking in for running it. Yeah, certainly. The uh, another thing I note about their tax forms is that an accountant didn't sign them. Um, so, and actually, it's interesting. So, in Gabe Roth's comment to me, he said. Uh, something along the lines of I'm a klutz. Uh, I'm not good at fundraising. I'm not a good CPA. Uh, to my understanding, he doesn't, I don't know <laughs> if he has a CPA. I think Parker might have. <laughs> but anyway, that's the point. He, I think he was speaking to the fact that uh, he signed the tax forms, which would make him legally liable for them should there be any yeah. sort of um, uh, illegal activity on there. Which also presumably means that he's doing his own accounting, bookkeeping. Uh, there's, Apparently, no accountability in the group. There's a campaign whose board includes the campaign for accountability <laughs> a director. Well, uh, Gabe, before we let you go, are there any other? Is there anything else you or your colleagues are working on that you'd like to draw our listeners' attention to? Um. Well, I, I would note that you know we've done a lot of reporting that you guys have been really appreciated that uh, Capital Research Center has uh, you know put on Influence Watch or promoted along the lines of the. Uh, kind of disinformation in complex or what some call mm-hmm. censorship industrial complex. And um, there's some, <laughs> you know, some more stories we're cooking up or working on in that regard. Um, was it, was it, was it your, was it your reporting that was on global disinformation index? Yeah. 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 
So uh, no, I was I, I followed that closely. Those were some great articles for our listeners out there who might never have read uh, Gabe's uh, research and uh, journalism before. I highly recommend it. He does some fantastic work. Appreciate that. Well, yeah, we 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 will put that in addition in addition to the fix the court reporting. We will put the global disinformation index reporting in today's show notes. Thanks again to Gabe Kaminsky of the Washington Examiner and my colleague Parker Thayer for joining us. We will link to their reporting on Fix the Court and, as we mentioned before, uh, Gabe's reporting on Global Disinformation Index in today's show notes. That's our show for this week. We encourage our listeners to subscribe on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. Those ratings really help us find new listeners, especially if they come with a positive review. We'll see you all next week. 